The following is a message from the pulpit of Parkside Baptist Church in Mesquite, Texas, led by Pastor Mike Wells. Chapter 21, look at verse 22, 21-22, the book of Matthew, the Bible says, And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. In the Bible, admonishes us over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17 to pray without ceasing. And we're going to take this morning and spend some time uh, looking at the book of James chapter 5. So if you'd like to turn there, the book of James chapter 5, as I speak this morning on prayer changes lives. I remember hearing this story about my adopted grandmother that I lived with for the first six years of my life. And then mom and daddy came to pick me up. I remember her telling uh, how oftentimes she would pray uh, that uh, I would uh, come to Christ. Uh, never witnessed to me, never gave me a gospel track, but she prayed that I would come to Christ. That was her terminology, that I would come to Christ. I remember that. Uh, I remember that after I got saved, uh, of course, she had already gone home to be with the Lord uh, in the same year that uh, I got saved. And so, uh, but uh, she went home to be with the Lord uh, before I got saved. And uh, she left in her will uh, the money to be able to purchase my very first Bible. And Lottie, her sister, had already purchased the Bible for me. And she wrote uh, a little personal note in there and said, I wanted to give you your first Bible uh, after. After you got saved and so what a wonderful blessing that is that God answered prayer she graduated went to heaven but God still answered her prayer by the way did the same thing for Charles Finney uh, and many years ago you might remember Charles uh, Finney uh, he prayed and uh, there was a, a man that was a friend he witnessed to over and over again one of those friends got saved at his funeral another one got saved a year later uh, did the same thing for George Mueller uh, George Mueller had some friends, and uh, one of those got saved years after Mueller died. Uh, the prayers that you pray today might not get answered today. Uh, they might get answered after you die. Uh, but God still hears and answers prayer. Now, I want to speak this morning on uh, prayer does change things. Uh, as we pray, uh, you'd be amazed how God, I think sometimes we give up on prayer. Uh, no, let me say it this way. I think sometimes we do not put a primary focus on prayer because uh, here's what happens. You get used to living your life, get used to living in a comfort zone, get used to, if you would please, uh, working things out the way you want things to work out and planning things and strategically trying to maneuver things so that it's to your advantage and, and so that you can be comfortable in the state that you're living for Christ. Uh, but uh, that is not always the way God wants it to be. Uh, sometimes you have to come to God and just ask God God to do a work and many times God would do that if we ask him to do a work uh, the Bible says that we have not because we ask not and so it's important that you and I ask in 1962 and again in 1963 uh, some parents uh, took the public schools to court and uh, these parents did not want their children uh, to read the Bible in a public school setting did not want children in the public school uh, to be led by the authorities that be 
in prayer. And so the court came, and this is their decision, the court found uh, that by forcing a child to pray or to read the Bible in a public school violates the First Amendment, they said, of the Constitution, which forbids the laws uh, that establish a government-sponsored religion uh, that prevents free exercise of religion. Now, now, by the way, people are horrified by that. People are horrified uh, still today by that decision. But that decision did not remove prayer out of the public school. It said that the, the authorities that be could not be the ones that would institute prayer. Uh, it said the authorities that be could not be the ones that would open up the Bible and read it to the children in the public school uh, and when the public school is in session. Now, may I say this? Uh, listen, uh, nobody can stop you from praying. Nobody can stop you from reading your Bible. I think Christians ought to be proud that they're Christians, and I think that you ought to communicate with God through prayer. Let God communicate to you through the Bible. Now, can I say, uh, as you're in a public school arena and you go to a public school. You ought to be proud enough to carry your Bible to the public school. Uh, you ought to be proud enough to uh, be able to pray and talk to the Lord. Can I say if you're in a secular college, carry your Bible. Carry your Bible. Uh, there's no law against you carrying your Bible. There's no law against you bowing your head and asking God to bless the food or on a break time, if you will, uh, opening your Bible and reading some things on your private time. Uh, I'm saying this. I'm saying that uh, sometimes I think the devil throws things at us and tries to spook us or tries to call fear, cause fear in our lives, and it ought not be that way. Now, let me give you some statements, okay? Uh, 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 the prayer of uh, uh, frequency, the prayer of frequency. You know, the Bible talks about, listen to this, over in James, we're in James chapter 5 and in verse 16, the Bible says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Charles Hatton Spurgeon said this, he who prays without fervency uh, doesn't need to pray at all. He who prays without fervency doesn't need to pray at all. Uh, there needs to be a fervency. There needs to be an urgency. There needs to be, if you would please, uh, a drive inside of us. Uh, when's the last time that you prayed, if you would please, with earnest? When's the last time that you prayed? I mean, you prayed and uh, you prayed with such earnest. You prayed uh, with uh, such devotion. You prayed, if you would please, with such energy that you just felt like, God, you've got to be the one to be able to come through. It was Thomas Watson, a uh, 17th century Puritan, that said this. He says, uh, is when the heart, uh, is the heart and the tongue are joined together in concert is the best prayer. When the heart and the tongue is joined together in concert is the best, best prayer. Fervency uh, is the prayer as fire is to the incense. It makes no uh, uh, ascension into heavens unless it's a sweet perfume. Now, what am I saying? Uh, as he noted here, uh, this Puritan, as he talked about prayer, he's saying that this prayer needs to be fervent. This prayer needs to be something that a person decides that they're going to do. Now, why do that? Uh, James chapter 5, verse 13, the Bible says, If any among you uh, are uh, afflicted, it says. It says, let him pray. It says, uh, if any is merry, uh, let him sing psalms. Listen to it in verse 14. The Bible says, if any uh, sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Uh, so prayer is 
enables God to be able to reach down from heaven and be able to do a work in a person's life. That's what uh, uh, prayer is. When you go to God uh, and put your faith in God and you trust God to be able to answer prayer, you enable the very hands of God to do the work. But if you don't ask him, uh, then you don't enable his hand. How many times do Christians go through an entire day but yet not talk to the Father one time? How many times does a Christian go through the entire week and yet they're so busy about this and so busy about that, but never one time do do they call out to a holy God? I'm telling you this morning that God still hears and answers prayer. Uh, may I say this? The Bible talks about that which is an enabling of prayer. It also talks about the earnest prayer. Look at uh, James chapter 5 and verse 17. The Bible says, it says uh, uh, that Elias uh, was a man subject that says to like passions as we are. Now watch these descriptions about him. The Bible says, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth for the space of three years and six months. Watch it in verse 18. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Now what is that? Uh, that's an earnest prayer. That's an earnest prayer. Do you have something in your life that is so needful that you realize that if you don't get a hold of God, there's no hope. If you don't come through with God, yea, God come through with you, you're through. Sometimes it takes when we get knocked on our back before we look up. Those that are in the hospital, they pray with earnestness. Those that are attending funerals, they pray for their relatives that's left behind with great earnest. Those that are in car wrecks around America are praying with great earnest intent about God hearing and God answering prayer. But does it have to be something that tragically hits us upside the head in order for us to be earnest? The Bible says in Luke chapter 11 and verse 9, also in Matthew 7, I'll read a moment. The Bible says in Luke chapter 11 and verse 9, the Bible says, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. So God says, and by the way, that's in a, a, a perpetual state. That means it's a continuation. That means you're supposed to ask and 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 never give up. That means you're supposed to seek and 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 never quit. That means you're supposed to knock and knock and knock and knock and knock and never get tired of knocking. You said, but that's not fair, Pastor. I mean, uh, God ought to answer my prayer on the first go-round. But uh, can I submit to you, if God says you ought to ask and ask and ask and ask and ask, then by asking, the Bible says that it shall be given you. Uh, you're supposed to seek and to seek and to seek and to seek. Then you'll find uh, you're supposed to knock and knock and knock and knock. Then it'll be open. Who are you? Who am I to argue with God? You said, well, that's just not right. Uh, God ought to love me so much that he'll answer the very first time. Oh, I don't know. How much do you love your children? How many times does your children have to ask you to spend time with them before you do it? How many times does your children have to ask you to uh, be able to uh, buy them an article of clothing before you do it? How many times does your wife have to say, Honey, we need a date. Honey, we need a date. Honey, we need a date. 
Honey, we need a date. Sugar pie. We need a date. Uh, sugar booger. We, we need a date. Before you give in. How many times do you have to go before your boss and say, I'd like to get a raise? I put in many hours for you, and I have uh, served you, and I have uh, done my best for you, and uh, uh, I believe that I'm a good employee, and so would you please consider giving me a bonus or giving me a raise? How many times do you have to do that before it comes true? How many times you that uh, have many houses uh, have to go after the person that doesn't pay the rent? Before they pay it. Hello? I'm saying this. I'm saying that uh, there is the prayer of fervency. Uh, over in the book of Matthew chapter 7, you'll read the same uh, type of verse as we read in Luke 11. Uh, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7. The Bible says, Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth. In verse 8. And he that seeketh findeth. And uh, it says to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. But again, that's in the continual tense. Well, you know, I prayed for this two times and God did not give it, therefore I just quit. Oh, you're not obeying the Bible. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you're supposed to ask and ask and ask. I pray for God's power. I pray for God's wisdom. I pray for my dear wife. I pray for uh, our dear children. I pray for our grandchildren. I pray for our church members. But I just don't do that and walk away. Don't be like the couple I married in the Philippines and uh, I saw them years later. And, uh, and uh, I had the men to stand up and I gave roses to the men. And I said to the men, uh, you may now kiss your bride. And he said, I did it many years ago. I don't need to do it again. <laughs> Hello. I think that it's important. Uh, please understand, well, it's talking about a fervency here. Uh, statement number one. Statement number two, uh, the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith. We're in the book of James chapter 5 and verse 15 this morning. The Bible says this, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and it shall, listen, and, and if he have committed sins, uh, uh, they shall be forgiven him. Now, wait a minute. What is that talking about? Uh, that's talking about the prayer, if you would please, of faith. Hezekiah became quite sick. He's not unto death. He lays upon the bed. He turns his back to the world. He turns his back to his friends. He faces the wall. He cries out to God, and God gave him, God gave him 15 years. God is the one that extends the life. God is the one that can answer prayer. I don't believe he can do it. Oh, don't try to convince me that he can't do it. Uh, I have a God that hears, and I have a God that answers prayer. I have a God that would come through. Uh, 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 don't, don't come to me, if you will, uh, with doubt, saying that God is through today, and he doesn't hear man's prayer. Oh, I've got a whole bunch of them that he's heard and that he's answered, and I'm saying that we need to come to him and come to him in faith, trusting him for what he can do. Uh, uh, some early converts that had lived uh, in Africa had visited here in the United States and they told the story. They said, we have friends that are not right with God. Uh, the preacher that was hosting them for the conference said, how do you know they're not right with God? So every morning we made a pact, we made a decision, we made a group a decision that uh, uh, we all had our separate places to go and pray. 
And so every morning we'd get up early in the morning and we'd uh, uh, take our separate paths because we had this uh, place where each one of us designated, all different, each one of us designated had a place to pray. And uh, in the morning times, we'd get up way early as the sun was getting ready to come up. And we walk down our paths to our sacred place and we kneel and we begin to pray. Uh, well, after a while, we noticed that the grass was growing up on the paths. And when the grass started growing up on the paths, we saw that those that used to go and pray, they weren't going to pray no more. Uh, don't let grass grow up on your path. You know, altar ought to be a sacred place, but an often visited place. Church ought to be a sacred place, but an often visited place. Your Bible ought to be a place where you uh, have your eyes in it and have your mind in it and have your soul in it and uh, have your heart in it. Ought to be a sacred place. I'm saying that there's the prayer of fervency. There's the prayer of faith. Statement number next, there's the prayer for faults. For faults. Uh, James chapter 5 and verse 16, the Bible says, Confess your faults. Then say sins. No, 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 no. You have one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. You're not supposed to go to a man and confess your sins. He can't do anything about it. Now, a man can pray for your faults. He can't do anything about your sins. Only God can wash away your sins. Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another uh, that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. All right? And so uh, your, 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 the, the prayer for faults. Somebody comes to you and they say, I'm double-minded. Please pray for me. I'm having trouble uh, uh, with straight thinking. Please pray for me. Uh, and then you pray for that one that's requested. I've got a grudge. I've got a grudge. I tell you what, this person did me wrong and I've got a grudge. I've got bitterness. I've got unforgiveness. Uh, I've got an evil tongue. I have a disrespect for another brother or sister in Christ. All right? All those are faults. Now, you can go to somebody and say, hey, uh, uh, pray for me. I've got some faults in my life. I need some cures. I need God to give me personal healing in my life. My soul needs to be healed. Uh, I need God to do a work in my life. By the way, watch this. Uh, the Bible says that uh, from henceforth cometh uh, wars, the Bible says, and fighting among you. Uh, here's what I find out. When you have somebody on a high expectation scale, and you think that you're on a high expectation scale. And the person that you look at all of a sudden does not meet your expectations. Before you know it, you'll start to talk about them. You'll start to have a bad opinion about them. Hello. Why don't you do this? Why don't you wake up every morning and give your wife grace? Matter of fact, why don't you change her name to Grace. Why don't you wake up every morning and give your husband grace? Well, they just don't meet my expectations. Maybe your expectations are too high. By the way, when you married her, uh, you were not who you are today. When you married him, you were not who you are today. So you've grown in your responsibility and you've grown in your authority. But she didn't marry you when you had responsibility. She didn't marry you when you were successful. 
She didn't marry you when you had this business. She didn't marry you when you had this ministry. She married you when you were just you. When you would walk into the room, she would say, my knight in shining armor has arrived. Now she's trying to find out who stole the knight. I can't find my knight. Where'd he go? Come on. Now, by the way, it does, that shoe does fit on the other uh, uh, foot now. Some of you men say amen. Come on. I mean, when you married her, she was just so sweet. Woo! She was just so understandable. She was so supportive. I mean, she, she fixed your meals with great interest, detail, and they were delicious. Now you come home from work and you're starving. She says, hot dogs are in the freezer. Warm them up. What am I saying? I, I'm saying this. I, I'm saying that uh, uh, we need to be people that forgive each other's faults. Yeah, people do change. And my dear wife recently, she, she has lost a lot of weight. As a matter of fact, I, I went to hug her the other day and I said, well, we got a problem. I can't find you. Where are you at? I think what she's lost, I've gained, and so we're trying to keep an equal balance in her house. But I'm saying that there's the, there's the, there's the prayer for faults. Now, what's the cure of that? Well, the Bible talks about that cure. You pray for one another's faults. One man said this. He was telling a friend. He said, uh, boy, I tell you what. He said, every time, every time, every time I get with my wife, we always argue he said, I hate it. My wife is so historical. He said, no, he said, you mean uh, hysterical. He said, no, I mean historical. She drags up everything in the past and holds it over me. She's historical. Now, by the way, it ought not be that way. Look, why can't you get up and enjoy today for today? Come on. Why can't you enjoy being husband and wife for today? Why can't you value having your children today? Why can't you value, hey, come to church and, well, let me see, uh, let me see who is here and who not is here and let me see if people smiling when the preacher preaches and let me just look around and let me just put them on trial. Why don't you just come for you? By the way, if you just came for you, you'd be better off. Because after all, I heard you need a lot of help. Now, I'm saying this. I'm saying there's the prayer for faults. You know, uh, we ought to pray for each other's faults. Uh, why don't we take Christ at his example over in the book of uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and in verse 32, here's what it says. The Bible says, and be tenderhearted. It says one toward another. It's talking about be kind one toward another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Listen to it. As God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Uh, Christ died on the cross, shed his blood, went to the grave, rose victorious. By the way, that's why you cannot get saved by baptism. That's why you cannot get saved by being good. You listen to me. 
Boy, I hit on this stuff. People watch it on the internet here. I get emails or I'll get books sent to me trying to straighten out my doctrine. But the Bible says, he that hath the Son hath everlasting life. Listen to me, my dear friend. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's Christ and Christ alone. It's not Christ plus anything. It's not Christ uh, uh, trying to be good. You'll never be good enough to merit heaven. You'll never keep uh, all the, uh, uh, the sacraments and all the commandments. Uh, uh, you just don't match up. But can I tell you, inside of Christ, uh, uh, Christ uh, through and through, he gives everlasting life. May I say this, uh, you pray uh, for the faults of others. If Christ uh, so forgave you, if God so forgave you, ought not you to forgive someone else? Well, they talk bad about me. Uh, they said something bad about me on Facebook. Facebook. Uh, they, they text something bad about me. Oh, just ignore it like a bad cold. Eventually, uh, it'll dry up and blow away. But you don't attack back. That's the worst thing you could do. Statement number one, uh, uh, the prayer of fervency. Uh, statement number two, the prayer of faith. Statement number three, the prayer of faults, for faults. Statement number four, and I'm done. Uh, the prayer for the fallen. The prayer for the fallen. Listen to this verse, James chapter five and verse 19. Brethren, that's talking to saved people. Brethren, listen to it, brethren. If any of you do err from the truth and one convert him. That means God believes there's gonna be somebody to convert somebody else that's a brother that has erred from the truth. All right, so Brother Bachman, stand up. You've erred. Stand up, please. Brother, uh, Brother Bachman, not you. I'm looking at him and calling your name, but I really want him. And uh, All right, Brother Butler. That's because they're so much alike. That's what it is. And, uh, and, but watch this. And so he errs, he errs, he errs. And by the way, uh, when people err according to the Bible, they know if they know Bible truth that they've erred. Sure they do. They have a Holy Ghost just like you. But he's there, so he gets poochy lip disease. He gets down. Now, the worst thing I could do is come over and kick him in the rear and say, Rah! worst thing I could do. I could say, hey, brother, hey, look, let me help you a little bit. Is it okay if I help you? Uh, I could take him in and show him some Bible principles. Uh, I could take him in and try and help him to accept truth. Okay, uh, I, I am supposed to be a peacemaker. I'm supposed to be somebody that uh, tries to restore him. Uh, back to serving God. That's what God wants through his son. That's what God wants believers to do as well. Now, so what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to be that person that would help the fallen. I'm supposed to help the fallen. That's what believers do. Uh, help the fallen. Uh, by the way, all man is fallen. Uh, thank you. Be seated. Here's what the Bible says. James chapter 5 and verse 20. Uh, uh, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the air of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Uh, it was Spurgeon preached a sermon one time. It was called the wordless prayers that's heard in heaven. He used Isaiah chapter 41 verse 17 where it talked about the poor and the needy. They were so thirsty that they could not voice their prayer. Uh, their, their, their throats were so parched so dry, uh, so cracked that they could not voice their prayer because they were so poor and so needy. And yet the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 17 that God heard the prayer of Israel. He heard their cry. 
Have you ever been there? Have you ever fallen on your face before God and you said, I just don't understand. And God, you're going to have to help me. And oh God, I pray that you'd show me and help me and guide me in the way that I ought to go. And, and you started to cry. And before you know it, you're crying more than you're praying. Have you been there? Well, the Bible talks about how God hears those prayers. James chapter 5 and verse 20, the Bible says, and shall hide the multitude of sins. What's that mean? That means those uh, sins are covered. How are they covered? They're covered under the blood of Christ. Aren't you glad that God does not bring all the wrongdoing back that you've committed in your life? Aren't you glad? The Bible says in James chapter 5 and verse 17, and I'll read it one more time and I'm done. And Elias was a man subject of like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly uh, that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth uh, by the space of three years and six months. Verse 18, and he prayed again. The Bible says, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. And by the way, all of God's people rejoiced when God brought the rain. Rain. The harvest now can be brought up after the rainy season of growth. And sometimes we go through uh, the drought time. There's a fellow by the name of Mel Trotter. And Mel Trotter uh, was a famous rescue mission worker. His father was a bartender. His father, they say, drank more than he served. Mel Trotter started following the pathway of his daddy. He could not hold a job down. He'd get a job, and before you know it, he'd lose the job. He'd promise his wife, and he'd promise his boss, I'm sorry I failed. He said, I will not fail again. And uh, he'd uh, go out and get drunk, and he'd lose the job again. Uh, one day, he was supposed to go out and buy medicine for his son, and he went out and bought liquor instead, and his son died. He decided he's going to go down to the funeral of his boy. Oh, he's feeling miserable because his son died, no doubt uh, partially, if not wholly, because he did not purchase the medicine. But he decided he's going to go down to the funeral service, uh, at least at the end of it, uh, maybe when people are gone. And he was going to go, and he was going to look his boy in the face, lo, his boy is in heaven, but he was going to look his boy in the face and say, I'm sorry. He got up to that casket, and he started looking at that boy, and all of a sudden, that desire for liquor hit him again. He reached into the casket of his little boy and he stole the shoes off his boy's feet. He went out and he got drunk again. He said, that's it, I'm going to go down to Lake Michigan. He said, I, 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 my boy died and I even stole the shoes off of his feet. I'm going to go down to Lake Michigan. I'm going to dive off the bridge. I'm going to die. And he walked past a rescue mission. So he's walking past the rescue mission there, the Pacific Garden Mission. God spoke to his heart. He turned in. He heard the gospel. He bowed his heart, was miraculously saved. From the next 40 years of his life, he gave his life for reaching those on Skid Row. He gave his life to reaching those that were uh, overtaken by drugs and overtaken by liquor. Uh, now, why? Why did he get messed up like that? Because the devil has some false advertising going on. And uh, he tries to help you to see if you got problems, turn to drugs. You got problems, uh, turn to liquor. But I'm saying this morning, if you got problems, turn to God. Amen. 
God can help you. God still hears, and God still answers prayer. But you have to believe him enough to pray. Well, I tell you what, I believe in prayer. I believe in prayer, somebody says. I believe in prayer, I really do. But do you believe in enough to pray? Do you believe in enough to pray? Jesse Cruff sitting right back there. Raise your hand, Brother Cruff. Every Wednesday night, we prayed for Brother Cruff. Every Wednesday, we love him. Every Wednesday night, we prayed for Brother Cruff. He had cancer. Did you know God took away that? Hello. We got dear members in our church that's suffering from this, that, and the other. And I'm saying, on the authority of God's word, God hears and God answers prayer. You can believe in a God that loves you and can help you and a God that will come through if you simply trust him and let God be God. I'm saying that we have a God that hears and answers prayer. Prayer changes things. Last illustration, Dr. Rice many years ago. He's preaching on prayer some way. I don't know way. I'm not read the message, but I heard the story. He's preaching on prayer, and he said, now some of you, you'll go through all of your life. You never ask God for one thing. Never, never ask God for one thing. Never ask God for one thing. And he said, I want you to suppose that when you get to heaven, there's a big stack of things. And God's going to look at you as you ask the question, what are those things? God's going to say, that's all the things you could have had if you just would have asked. Dr. Bill Rice was sitting in a barbershop one day, and he drove a Cadillac all the days of his life, Cadillac. And some uh, uh, poor miser sitting next to him said, Yeah, you preachers, yeah, you preachers. You know, you're driving a Cadillac. And, uh, oh, I can't believe. And Dr. Bill just listened to him for a while and listened to him for a while and listened to him for a while. And he said, yeah. He said, my God's been very good to me. What's your father done for you? Then he began to witness to him. Can I tell you God still hears and answers prayer? The problem is we don't pray like we believe he does. We were taking Jonathan. We were going someplace, I forget. He had a high fever. This is back in the Hattiesburg, Mississippi days of our life. And uh, had a high fever. And uh, My dear wife got very concerned, and I got very concerned. And I said, oh, we need to take him over to the hospital, the Forest General Hospital. We need to take him there. And so we started driving. We got all the way in the parking lot. I looked at her. She looked at me about the same time. We had the same thought that crossed our minds. Uh, that's what happens when you're married a long time. And we had the same thoughts that crossed our minds and we said you know we brought him up here to the hospital and we did not even pray I said shame on us we're going to take him into a man that is only a man well we should be reaching out to our heavenly father that controls all he made the body I said honey let's pray she was driving I was holding that baby in my arms and he was just a baby at that time with a high fever and we cried out as a mother and a father. And we wept for our child and we prayed. It wasn't very long until God right there in that parking lot, God right there, right there, 
right there in that parking lot, broke that fever, and he was okay. So what is that, preacher? That's a God that hears and a God that answers prayer. God can do that. Don't you tell me God can't do that. God can do that. Now, I'm saying this. I'm saying uh, uh, prayer changes things. How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? Oh, I'll work it out. I didn't ask that. How's your prayer life? Well, I think that it'll get better. You praying about it? Hmm. How's your prayer life? Well, I just think that uh, it's just going to be what it's going to be. Hmm. How sad. How's your prayer life? Father, help us, I pray this morning, please. Thank you for joining us today. For more audio or video content, you can visit our website at parksidebaptist.org.